guys, and hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Build and Drive podcast. I am the builder. Many of you might know me as Home Built by Jeff on YouTube, building some uh, silly projects in my garage. And I'm the driver. I'm Spike Goddard, uh, racing car driver, instructor, stay-at-home dad, training pilot. You name it, I'm trying it. <laughs> Bit of everything. Bit yeah. of everything. Um, yes, so, uh, well, I've been quite busy in the last uh, last week. I, uh, I drove back to see my family in Adelaide, which was, uh, which was really good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, of course, at the moment, there is sort of a bit of an issue in New South Wales. <laughs> in central New South Wales, there's a lot of floods, and... I had to try and drive my old 911 through the uh, the centre of New South Wales to Adelaide, and uh, yeah, it was a little interesting. <laughs> yeah, did you nearly turn it into a boat, or? Well, well, actually, some of the comments I actually released the uh, the video um, uh, a few days ago, and uh, a lot of the comments were saying that oh yeah, so now it's uh, finally water cooled. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, uh, driving back the main highway between Adelaide and uh, between Sydney and Adelaide is is closed, completely blocked off. So um, I had to take some detours, and I was running, I was running Waze, Google Maps, and uh, live traffic, and all of them sort of sent me a certain way. So I sort of went the main way to Wagga, and then um, I had to go down south to Daniloquin, and it said, okay, from Daniloquin, you can cut straight across, head down this road. So I. Get, head off and uh, head out, and about fifty kilometres later, um, after having to drive through floodwater to get there, um, <laughs> it wasn't that deep. It was only uh, probably the max sort of two hundred millimetres deep. You know, twenty centimetres. What's that? Uh, eight inches deep. Um, it was uh, at the at the very deepest point, and it wasn't flowing. It was completely static floodwater. I could see the dotted lines of the road through the water it was just in an suv i wouldn't have even blinked but in the lowered old 911 it was it was a lot of it was it was pretty deep would have been uh pretty handy to have one of those new 911 dakars well yes so um well we we can we can probably segue onto that for a bit um if you like that seems like something that's just been released yeah i see uh lots of media about it and I don't know, so, some people are super hyped, but I don't really see uh, a need for it. I don't think anybody's going to, or, or correction, there'll be one or two people who actually use it as intended, but I, I don't see that people are actually going to use it. It's extremely expensive from what I gather. It's, it's you know, a quite quite an expensive semi-limited edition. I think they're making about two and a half, uh, two and a half thousand worldwide. Yeah. I'm sure they'll sell them out real quick. It'll, oh. They'll go to all the collectors and that, but I, I, I don't see the price that they're asking because it's pretty much just jacked up suspension. I mean, the interior to me looks the same as every other 911. I um, think it is. I think it's... It's basically just slightly raised suspension and bigger, bigger tires from 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 what I can gather. And at the price, I just wonder how many people are actually going to take it off road. Like I don't, I don't see that it's going to happen. I don't think. It's, yeah, I mean, there, there'll be there'll be a few, but I'd say 
less than five percent are really gonna use an acre. Some might take it on a on on a, on a nice flat dirt road and say they've used it, but I don't know. I, I really don't see it being widely used for its purpose. Yeah, I agree, and I don't know whether Porsche saw the Lamborghini uh, off road that they're making. And thought, oh, we've got to get on that, or it was the other way around, or... The, the Lamborghini makes even less sense to me. At least Porsche has a history of, you know, the, the 959 was a rally car. You know, they, they have got a long history in rallies and been very successful. And they're, and I suppose that's the other side, that there may be some, some you know, rally competitors who actually buy these things and actually use them in competition as a, as a you know stripped out fully caged rally car and and yeah maybe that'll happen but the um the the average the the average punter who's using it i said oh, i i he, he might he might drew, drive through the uh the the odd puddle and uh and that'll be all over instagram but i don't i, I just i just don't see it i don't see it being used the way it's intended and yeah the lamborghini what i mean i feel like it would be good for someone like you like a youtuber that you know could buy it, go and make a bunch of content, and then flick it on to someone who's willing to pay over sticker for it. Oh, definitely. Maybe not me because I'm I'm not that type of YouTuber. But uh, uh, like a good one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Like it probably it would have been it would have been a yeah, a better car to take on on that particular trip to to Adelaide through the floodwater. But um, generally. It wouldn't have made that much difference whether I was driving that or a or a regular new nine eleven. And any of the let's face it, any of the new nine elevens would have been more comfortable than than Harry. Harry's yeah. It's like like all these things. These old cars are a are a bit of a compromise, and yeah. Um. Yeah, getting getting through there. Said the the flood water was um, getting back to the to the trip. Um, the flood water, for starters. Like I really feel for the uh, the farmers and everybody in in central New South Wales. Like it's just it was amazing driving past. Just as far as you can see, all the paddocks are just you know it, it, everything's so flat that the water is not draining and it's just sitting there. And like the 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 road most of the time is they're sort of built up and it's like an island in the middle of all this this inland sea that everything is you know at least a foot underwater if not a lot more than that and it's just it's it's crazy it is it is really crazy um with actually while we're uh talking this sort of the footage of my trip playing in the background uh and yeah just it just it just didn't end there was just so much water everywhere i mean it's really cool that you actually were willing to drive your your car through that and have a go at it but at any stage did you wish you'd just had the car on a trailer um i'm glad i drove it like being on a trailer would have made it you know just just a a pretty basic trip i probably still would have had the same issue because uh when i actually got to the end of the road and had to turn around it the road the road was Close. I don't know how bad it was down further, but they actually there was nobody there. It was in the middle of nowhere, but there's just there were just um, uh, you know they they blocked the road completely. Put put um, you know things across the road saying like you know road closed, 
And uh, yeah, I dare say it was you know it got it got pretty bad in spots. Uh, it could be a washed out bridge or something. It wasn't worth going further down the road and spend another fifty k's going. This is fine, and then yeah. then having to turn around and come back anyway. Um, but uh, on my way back, I did take the inverted commas easier way, and I and I did and, and I just didn't even bot, try and go through central New South Wales. I basically just uh, went further south into Victoria the whole way around and looped around and came back up the uh, the main highway because what I found on the way there when I had to detour around the trouble is is that the the roads are built as you can imagine sort of to go directly from capital city to capital city so there's great you know the road the main highway between Sydney and Adelaide is pretty decent and the main highway from um Melbourne to Adelaide is pretty decent but cutting in between those two there's just all it's just sort of zigzagging through all these tiny little country roads uh they were never really they're just sort of built for local traffic and out there it's just big farms so uh it wasn't designed for (laughs) for they they definitely weren't you know yeah sort of highways there was uh um, it made it interesting, and, and I get to see a bit different bit of uh, Australia. But I was also in the back of my head, I'm driving an old car that's super reliable. Well, the <laughs> engine is. It's maybe <laughs> maybe some someone played around with it and changed a bunch of things on it and made it a little bit uh, a little bit more of a headache than it needs to be. <laughs> So um, I suppose we can we can move on to the main reason why I went to Adelaide. Because um, I eventually by a real mechanic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well. Well. Obviously, I, I. You know. Once I got around the floodwaters, I got over there, and uh, the main reason was I was competing, or actually participating in, I should say, the Adelaide Rally, which is. Uh, uh, those of you who know about Target Tasmania, it's a similar event to Target Tasmania, but uh, obviously it's in Adelaide. Uh, it's a three-day closed roads. Um, the things have changed a lot this year because of Target Tasmania and the, the deaths. There were three deaths in the two days in Target Tasmania this year. Um, it was looking like the event may not even go ahead. It was, uh, yeah, it was quite a possibility that uh, it, it wouldn't happen, but uh, they managed to get uh, sort of clearance at the last minute and there was limited category. So the open category was no longer being run. So, so you know, open speed limit, just 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 go for it, whoever's fastest wins. Um, I think they only had, they there was a trophy category. The trophy category was capped at 130 kilometres an hour. So, yeah, not, still not, uh, that fast, uh, and they had uh, rally safe units inside. They had or, or rally boxes inside that monitored the speed, and they got penalties for going over. I did talk to one of the guys in a, uh, a 911 who, on one of the stages, it was a long stage. It was a 20 kilometer stage, and there were. I think if you go over, you've got you can go over if you're over from over the the limit, the 130 kilometers, for more than two seconds you gain a penalty so you can sort of blip over that and as long as you you know come back down again you're right they were cruising and and that 20 kilometer stage there was a long section in the middle that was sort of 
you could easily be doing big speeds. So sitting at 130 would have been slow. Um, and he went over about nine times and got a 40-second penalty for the um, for his troubles. So Okay. I had something similar uh, when I was racing at the Nordschleife in mm. uh, Carrera Cup. Mm. This is not long after the Jan Mardenborough flipped his Nissan into the, the crowd and killed a spectator. Yep. But they put speed limits on uh, two or three parts of the track. I think it was just two. Um, I can't remember the speed they limited us to, but it's quite hard when you're in a race, in a yeah. race car that doesn't have a limiter. You know, you've got your pit limiter, but like... Yeah. yeah. So you've got to kind of just work it out yourself. And some people are taking it seriously. Some people aren't and just trying to adjust that. And Are, are they monitoring your speed in any way? Like, cause... I mean, allegedly they were, but I seem to be the only one doing it. So, Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be quite frustrating if you're in a speed limited section and somebody passes you. That would be... Super frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, and, and... you push on and you know, hope that they don't see it or... Did they get a penalty or the people who passed you? Or in... Nope. No? Yeah, we'll Which see. is the frustrating thing because then there's no... Uh, what's the word? Nah. Can't think of it, but, you know, they say one no thing. No appeal and, process yeah, or anything yeah. like that. You can't sort of go, well, they passed me while... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose at least in the rally, the way that their unit is, it, it, it was sending live updates and it, and it would have it would have just just given a uh, shown up on the screen instantly the cars that went over so they just had a, a log it was black and white it was you know, you're you're either speeding or you're not and i think there's like you know sort of obviously limits to it yeah um and but i'm not sure if there was a set amount of penalties like you know you go over for you know for 3 seconds is that is it a penalty for every second over? Is it, I'm I'm not I, I'm I'm not sure how yeah. how they it's kind of like quantify uh, the penalty to go with it. Everybody would have been going over, but um, at some stage with racing, I think it's a it's a five or a ten second penalty for a jump start. So yeah. if you jump it big enough, <laughs> it doesn't matter because they can give you five or ten seconds, but you're already fifteen twenty down the road. <laughs> I suppose if you can if you can uh, use the uh, the loopholes like that NASCAR driver we yeah, were talking yeah. about the other week, you, know, <laughs> you know, just right along the wall and and okay, well, you might get a penalty, you might kill your car or whatever. But uh, yeah, if if the um, that kind of stuff ruins it for everyone else, though. Yes. I mean, the NASCAR one not so much because that was a once in a lifetime kind of move. Yeah. Everything had to line up, but. You don't, you don't want people. Well, the thing is, if, is if people deliberately cheat like that, they're going to change the rules, make yeah. the penalties worse. You know, they they will make consequences. But I suppose, like that NASCAR thing, like I'm sure they'll change the rules now, so that you, you're not allowed to do that again in NASCAR. But uh, the you know exploiting those loopholes at the start isn't that what all racing's about? Is uh, you know, it is. It's always always yeah. trying to always trying to find the. Uh, um, yeah, I mean the, the way around the rules. The disappointing thing for me hearing that is that, as a racer, you know you want to get flat out, and it is terribly sad that you know several people lost their lives doing it. But you know, motorsports dangerous. It says it on the ticket. It says it when you sign up. 
And if you're happy to go flat out, I think you should be able to go flat out. Otherwise, yeah. what's the point? I mean, the people who, who did, have, you know, uh, I know at least, you know, one of them that, that, that I'd seen is like, you know, was a seasoned competitor, done it, you know, done the Adelaide Rally, Target Tasmania, all that sort of stuff, you know, many times, screwed up. But, uh, yeah, they like knew, knew the consequences um, I'm sure, yeah, they didn't want that what happened, but they knew what they were getting into. It's interesting that like we don't accept any 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 injuries in 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 any sport anymore, really. Like it's it, every everything is wrapped up. I know, but when motorsports started, I know doing the uh, the the history for the Mrs. Jeff history parts of the episodes of my my videos, you know, it was commonplace in the up until the 70s that several racing drivers died every year like early days that they died a lot i mean that's why enzo ferrari gave up racing is he lost like two of his best mates he was a racer himself and two of his best mates died and i think he sort of realized if i keep going i'm probably not going to live very long because yeah yeah um i'm, I'm not saying that yeah, we should. Everyone should just be be there and put your life on the line. But I don't know. There's always there's always a balance. But where do you stop? I suppose the difference is because eventually, what do they say? Oh, let's just all go the speed limit. And it's like, well, then you don't have a rally. You're not racing. You're not competing. To to my mind, I actually don't mind the the sort of the the, the speed limited part and a lot of the longer straights. They actually had um, um, RSPs. I'm not can't remember what it stands for. Restricted. Restricted speed or whatever, and I think the competitors had to to drop down to sixty k's an hour within an area, and then get, go back up again. So so it got you sort of slowing down in the straights, and and even at the you know if you've got the one hundred and thirty k limit, it makes it a a lot safer because I mean we found in the category that I was in, I was just in the, the tour. So I was in with the um, the Porsche Club of South Australia. They, um, uh, uh, you know, lots of different groups were having tours and there were 20, 22, 23 cars in the Porsche Club group. So it was split into two groups. We had a lead car and a follow car who were also members of the Porsche Club, uh, but they actually had the the um, the main the, the proper rally uh, devices on, but we all individually had to run the Rally Safe app, which was a GPS. Looks seemed like quite a, an accurately um, run GPS. We had our uh, individual, you know, logins for for it, so they knew everybody's car. Everybody had to be running it, and um, it would come up on the screen the instant you were doing over eighty kilometers an hour in in red, and. Um, <clears throat> To be honest, the way that it was run, everybody went over the eighty kilometers an hour. Uh, you know, within within reason. Generally, the, uh, the the main gist of it is don't don't take the piss. You know, you, well, you, you could say the same thing with public roads and the speed limit. Well, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. And I mean, we had closed roads. We had so even if you're coming in a little bit hot for a corner. You've got that as opposed to driving on a regular regular road. You've got that other lane of space. Was okay. I'm a little bit hot, but but you know I'm 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 
I'm good. And basically the way it was run was you, you you're not – even they, the way they explain it, you, we don't expect you to be just looking at the speedo the whole time. We want you to be concentrating on the road. In the twisty bits and in the tight stuff, you just just drive it. But when it's, when it's it, the long open straights – then you just make sure you're sort of bringing it down and keeping it at the uh, um, around the 80k mark, and and they were happy. There was one guy I know that oh, I heard that uh, got ejected from the rally who was just didn't care about it at all. Was regularly doing well over 160 several times and was clocked at his highest 188. And they're like, nah, see you later. That's well over twice the allowable limit. They they weren't. Giving you a fine the instant you went over eighty, it was it was much more relaxed in the in the tour because we're not in a competition stage. But most of these roads are super tight, and I mean the only problem I have with that is that when you're doing that and everyone else is following you know the rules, it brings everyone else into a danger because you know you can run up the back of them or you know they pull out because they're not expecting it. Um, well, you're also in the tour, we're not allowed to pass. So, so you know, you, you need to keep in your position. So you catch up the car in front, you just got to slow down and, and, and sit back. You can't, yeah, you can't just take off and, and, uh, and, and do your own thing because you would get booted straight away. They, they, were very, they, they were very strict on people following the rules. If people are going to be idiots, it's not what it's about. And to be honest, sometimes, you know, I... You could you could drive potentially um, illegally, and none of us would ever do it, uh, of course. Uh, on the on the roads, you know, particularly in the middle of nowhere, um, regular time, and take take your license into into your own hands. But and and I heard a lot of people going, "Oh, I couldn't handle doing doing this event." You know, the um, with the the eighty k speed limit, it'd just be it'd be boring, but. The whole atmosphere was was just was so good. There was uh, in the tour in in the sorry in the event. I think there were three or four hundred cars. It was it was a a, a big event. Um, the closed roads. There were spectators everywhere. It was the whole atmosphere made it really worthwhile. And it was such a good event. I really I really had a great time. Until the car didn't work the way it was supposed just to. Slightly back. The guy that got booted from the the tour, what mm-hmm. car was he driving? Uh, I believe it was a Mercedes AMG of some sort. Right, so a car that could very easily hit the speed he hit. Well, the thing is, is that most of the cars in the in the in the event were new cars or or close or, or new new enough cars. They were, <clears throat> I'd say, the classics like my. 911 the old 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 cars would have made up oh, less than 10% of the of the field there was you know so so I was in the Porsche club tour there was a Mercedes club there was a BMW club there was a Hyundai M yeah. uh club and then there was Zagami who um they sell a lot of the the high end cars in Adelaide so so Ferraris and McLarens and Lambos were sort of in that so so there were plenty you know there was Six seven five LT there, you know that that's and and a few seven twenty S's and stuff like that. Like yeah. those things would have been so overkill for this. This well, that's event. where I was going with it. Is like you'd probably have more fun because 
you have to ring the car out a bit more to get the speed out of it. So you're using more of the car. Yes. Whereas these, you know, 765 LTs and stuff, it's like a <laughs> a third gear, breathe on the throttle. Um, so it's probably a little bit more boring for someone like that. Or if you've got like an MX-5 or... Absolutely. Something like that. It would probably be way more fun. I, I, I definitely think it would be. I mean, like there was, there, was a, there was a few 992... Like in our group, there were several 992 GT3s and uh, um, 991.2 GT3 RS. There, 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 were, there, were, there were... And and then a heap of GT3s of every other model, like like in the group. It was probably... At least fifty percent GT threes, and then there was a you know GT fours, a couple of Caymans, a couple of other Caymans, uh, and then sort of other Boxsters and whatever you know that, that that came along. There was there was a there was a real mix, uh, but yeah, as I said, a lot of the roads, a lot of the sections were super tight. There were there were you know the corkscrew. I was going up, and and I was changing back to first, like it was because because it's so tight. Uh, and and that's where you know Harry really does well. The main issue is really that the uh, second gear is really grinding a lot. So I cannot change quickly into second at all ever, unless it just grinds the crap out of it. Because basically taking off in first, I can rev it up in first, have to clutch, bring it into the middle, bring it just start to engage the uh, the synchro of second. And then bring it in, but it's like a three-second change from first to second, and even third down a second, um, I still have to ease it in and sort of slow it down. You know, even with a good heel toe, you double clutching. And- yeah, well, you know, like good heel, yeah, you know, heel toe shift, mat, rev matching nicely, and it still, it still grinds. Like it's it's just it it's it's just very difficult to get it. I, I can't it get. Third to second is it much easier, but first to second is is horrible trying to trying to do that change, and that's probably where Harry started to slow down. And I think it was because I had the the clutch fork was for the first couple of years of driving it. I didn't realise why the clutch was so bad. It was because the clutch fork had broken, and I've covered this in a previous video. The previous owner had obviously welded it to get back together again. I didn't notice, and it wasn't square. So the clutch uh, release bearing was sort of cocking and um, and binding on the shaft. So so there was it was so difficult to engage and disengage the clutch, particularly disengaging. When you're taking your foot off the clutch, you couldn't, smoothly release the clutch it would sort of jump in sections so 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 you were always shuddering off the line you just could not release the clutch smoothly and and take off like you should be able to and once i found what the problem was but that required pulling the engine and the gearbox apart to you know engine and gearbox out open it up and then oh new new part was 160 dollars or something it wasn't wasn't ridiculously expensive got a brand new clutch fork perfect clutch yeah, but uh, that the time I had that, I think it took the second gear that wasn't too bad, and now it's made it horrible. So yeah. it's it's definitely on the list to rebuild second gear at some stage, or rebuild the gearbox. It doesn't actually whine in fifth, like which is a, seems to be a common problem. But uh, and the rest of the gears actually don't seem too bad. But yeah, it, I think it needs it. 
So, um, yes, well, so Harry worked quite well until it didn't. Um, before I went over, I made my new exhaust, and lots of people wanted to know how the exhaust was, and <clears throat> it is much quieter. I was worried that it was going to drone too much. The, basically, the old exhaust was just just sort of one not a very big muffler that uh, basically is sort of dual input, dual output, basically two straight through pipes in it. And uh, uh, one bank went through the top and the other bank went through the opposite direction at the bottom and that was that was the exhaust. And it was really loud. And it I still thought, sounded pretty loud in the video. Yeah, well, um, the thing is, is that microphone is inside and what I've come to realise is that the exhaust is not the the issue. The issue is something that people were chasing. Like, most people are like, that's the best thing ever, is the individual throttle bodies are actually really loud so that is most of the noise is the is that is that sucking noise of sucking in the uh um it's sort of because you've got six you sort of got these six pops each time um you know every 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 cycle it's at you know highway speeds it's it's a drone it's quite it, it is quite loud and uh i still you know, it's it sounds fantastic when you're on it, and you can still hear the exhaust. It's still not it's it's not quiet, but um, yeah, the the throttle bodies is is the issue, and that's something that's very difficult to quieten down. One of my viewers did suggest getting um, uh, paper filters because currently I've got K and N filters in there. Basically, the um, there's sort of two groups. Those who haven't seen it, there's sort of two groups of three individual throttle bodies on the, um, you know, on, on either side of the engine bay with sort of an oval uh, cover that that sits over the top. And the filter that goes in it is basically just sort of the old round V8 style filter, K and N filter that goes in there. That's just sort of been squished into an oval. Um, I searched around and even though K&M make it I couldn't find an equivalent paper filter exactly the same the closest I could get was one that was the same diameter but it's 5mm shorter so I actually have to make a spacer because it won't actually sandwich into the into the place so it won't seal and won't you know suck the air through but the paper filters may make a bit of a difference and another suggestion I just had um you know actually during during the uh, this latest video was um changing the length of the trumpets will actually change the resonance of them so it will also change the uh how the car performs you know shorter inlets works better at the top end of the rev range longer gives you more bottom end so that could be something to play around with maybe even to start with maybe just put some spaces in there just just sort of cut out some spaces and just change it very slightly. But again, then it's going to start changing the tune and all that sort of thing that uh, I'm going to have to play around with. Although at some stage you got to just, <clears throat> that's what it is. Well, be happy with it. That, that's the thing. I, I mean, <laughs> basically this exhaust worked. It was much quieter, but it's ugly. So it's not going to be the exhaust that stays. And the other thing is it did change, it obviously changed the tune because I was backfiring like crazy, particularly when I was, you know, after stages when the exhaust really heated up, it would backfire a lot. And uh, Isn't I, that what you YouTubers love to film? It wasn't, it wasn't like the, um, the, uh, the, the Golf R, you know, you know, you know, it was, it was just again? the, 
<laughs> it was uh, it was more the um, uh, you know after after a run there's the odd bang, but bang <laughs> just just randomly it, it, no, no it's it's not a callback fire it's not it's not the uh, it's not the burble tune it's the uh, it, it's 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 just an odd yeah yeah an odd backfire I did get it to, uh, basically I've got wide-band oxygen sensors in the exhaust, which can read the, if it's running rich or lean, it re- reads reads that. Like m- most cars have a narrow-band uh, sensors in the exhaust, uh, oxygen sensors, and it, and it adjusts the tune accordingly on, on, on a normal road car. On mine, um, I still don't actually have closed-loop running. So closed-loop is where, is, is what these standard cars run to, to adjust the tune on the fly and, and within a window it doesn't like sort of just let it go and it, it makes the whole tune itself it's just sort of gets it keeps it in a range to get it run more efficiently particularly on the highway and things like that when it's running a constant rate it will adjust the tune and get it so to, to whatever you sort of parameters you set it to so that it actually will be more economical and and, and run better and I need to do that but the trouble is because it's been running rich so long it's killed the O2 sensors so I did take a log while I was while I was driving to try and you know alter the tune but um, the O2 sensors were dead but I did find that most of the time it was actually doing it when I was um, you know it was always obviously after a run but often it was still you know we'd finish these runs they'd be uphill and then you'd be a long downhill section later and it kept backfiring downhill. So it was basically at zero throttle, but higher RPMs. I have I, I went through and took sort of 10% of the fuel out all the way along sort of from 3,000 to, to redline at zero throttle. And it's actually stopped a lot of the backfiring. So I think I can take more out. But without having the proper O2 sensor, I didn't want to change any, any other tune because, you know, when you've got no throttle in it, it, lean is not going to be as big of an issue as when you're actually on the, on on the throttle. Rich is okay, besides killing spark plugs and stuff like that. It's not it's not good, but uh, uh, lean. If if, it, if a car's running lean, it can detonate and you'll blow the engine. And yeah. Uh, so uh, so that was the the exhaust. So there 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 will be. Uh, Version five of the exhaust coming sometime in the near future, or maybe not. We'll, we'll see when. But yeah, the current one it hangs down too low. It's ugly, but that's what I could get at the time, and I needed to do something before this trip. Um, and thankfully, um, I can build it. But I, I think I've got a plan for the final exhaust. It'll be louder than the one that I've got, but quieter than the last one. And I think that's where it will be happy. I'll, I'll, I'll be happy with it, and it'll be perfect. So um, yes, more, more to come. Awesome. So what else was, you mentioned the 765 LTs and stuff. Was there anything on the rally that you were really excited to see or something that was, I don't know, performing better than you thought it might? Yeah, well, um, actually, there was, um, the on the competition side, the actual competition vehicles seemed to be, they're much more of the in the way of the classics and a bit of everything. You know, from sort of E30 BMWs, there was um, uh, there was a couple of old Alphas. Um, there was an Alpha 2600, which I don't actually – I hadn't actually seen before. I don't actually know what that one is. I can't remember. I probably would have covered it when – with, um, you know, in the Mrs. Jeff 
history episodes in the alpha, but I don't I don't particularly remember it. Uh, bunch of you know a bunch of old nine elevens and things like that. There was there was uh, yeah a good range of things. New there was there was lots of new stuff that was sort of you know interesting to see, uh, but ultimately there were lots of them. Oh, I did. There was a Ford GT like the the um, so the what are they oh five ish Ford GT the the the, the middle one. Yeah, that's <clears throat> my favorite. That's my pick of the bunch. Yeah, that that was that was that was a very that that was cool to, to see that out uh, out and driving and um, but uh, the, there was one competitor there who, who had this this really cool. I'm not exactly sure what Fiat it is, but I, I'm guessing it's sort of a seventies um, or early eighties. Fiat, probably 70s, little tiny Fiat, but it was like had these wide body flares. It was a tiny little car, made a mini, original mini look big. It was it was about that size, but it was rear-engined. And after chatting to him, it was actually running an R1 motorbike engine in it. That, it wasn't a Fiat 500, <clears throat> was it? it? Well, it might have been a 500, but it wasn't. But, I mean, I don't know the old Fiats very well. It wasn't the original 500. Right. It was a squarer. Car. It was similar size, so it probably was some version of it. Maybe but the it was Earth a, version. It was it was a boxier version, yeah, yeah like of of that car. So it looked it looked boxier and more sort of yeah mid seventy styling rather than uh, the 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 early rounded you know five um, hundreds. And <clears throat> after talking to him, basically. It's got a uh, – where the normal gear stick is, it's connected to uh, a basic little transfer box. So basically, you either be in forward or reverse yep. for, for that. But then up next to the steering wheel, there was, a, there was a, um, a pole with a motorbike clutch handle on it. And basically, it was just, you know, clutch in – one gear back, five forward, and uh, that and so that sequential was box. so it was, it was a motorbike box <laughs> in this little tiny Fiat, and the thing just looked it just looked hard, like it had thirteen inch wheels on it, um, and these little these little little box flares and stuff, and it was just this cool little car, and um, when we were driving on the first day, mid mid midway through one of the long stages, I saw it on the side of the road all. Mangled up, and and my oh. brother and I were both no, it was way <laughs> what's no, because um, it was one of the competition cars. But uh, the next morning, on the morning of the second day, he pulled in, and I'm and we both rushed over because we looked at the first day and could see that the uh, the rear corner was sort of all taped up. He had a sort of a um, another light sort of just loosely lodged in place, and started chatting to him and. Uh, it was it was less of a um, um, a glorious tale of a crash than you you would first hope, hmm. um, you because know, I was thinking that it's such a short wheelbase. As soon as it got sideways, you would not catch it. It would it would be gone. But it is set up to understeer by the sounds of things, and like it, that wasn't the case. Apparently, the clutch died. So he pulled over, and it was on a hill. Pulled over, uh, handbrake on his. Uh, uh, wife co-driver was out with the uh, the okay sign to let people know, and he was walking out putting out the emergency triangles. And um, when brake failed, when the car cooled down, the park <laughs> <laughs> the, the handbrake came off, and it rolled back into a guardrail. Oh. So less <laughs> less of a exciting war story than uh, I wouldn't tell anyone. That. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it it did die completely at the end of its day two, and then on the day three, he brought out this this. Awesome little. Um, uh, it was a little. Was it a? F- 
it was an, another little fee, a tiny little fee at a bath. Uh, that that it was his number plate was double bubble, and again I'm. I, I apologise because I don't know what model it was, but it was a very rounded little. It looked like a Jetsons car. It was, but it was. It's, it's on my Instagram. Um, I, I loved it, and and it just it parked next to a um, a, a modern Civic Type R, and it was it was so small. It was just it was comically small, but it was just so cool to see you know. And and so he continued. You know, he was out of the uh, competitive category, but finished uh, the tour in something else that was was fun and cool. And yeah, so. I really appreciated some of the old stuff that was there. There was a um, BMW 2002. There was also an E9 uh, BMW there, which I, I love the old E9. No the, idea what that is. The E9 is the – you know what the 2002 is? The the, the two, 2002, so it's six, late 60s, early 70s probably, and the E9 is the bigger version. So there was the right. E9 CSL, the original – um, what they call the, the Batmobile. This was not a CSL. I think it was a CS. But uh, yeah, like like they are. So the the bigger car. It's what eventually turned into the um, the six six three five CSIs or whatever in the in the um, in the seventies and eighties. So this the six series bigger two door sedan. Yeah, they're very cool cars. I, I'm I'm a big fan of the the E nines. I, I would love to build one, but they're just the base entry price of those things is now just just so astronomical that that um, it's really would be difficult to, uh, um, yeah, difficult to 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 get one and actually justify being able to do something with it. Yeah. I've already got um, your list of project cars you should do. <laughs> Everybody seems to have suggestions. Now, you need to do a turbo Hibusa smart car. You need to do a really cool ramp truck. I definitely need a ramp truck. Uh, that's, um, the, the more I do these trips, the more I think that a ramp truck would be awesome. Even if I, I could take – my brother's trying to push me to get something so I can take, you know – um, the Alfa Ferrari and the 911 back next year, so because of course he wants to try to drive the, the 911. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, and if I had a ramp truck, I could do the ramp truck and then tow another one on the car trailer behind. Yeah, because actually, some of the guys from our group came down from Queensland and he's got an F350 with a fifth wheel. So, um, yeah, if you know the goosenecky look at that, yeah, 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 the sort of gooseneck that that lands. It lends up in the middle of the bed of the truck uh, of of the of the big yeah the big Ute and he had a three car trailer on the back of that with three not you know modern GT threes on 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 the back of uh, one F three fifty driving back it was uh, that's what I love about those American trucks it's like yeah. oh you want to tow your house away for the weekend go yeah. for it <laughs> and, and and those those people in, in America are listening probably get like. Yeah, well, that that's that's really common, and that's not common here. <laughs> having having a a one car car trailer is is sort of you know is is reasonably common, but a two car car trailer is near unheard of. The three I'd I'd never seen it in in Australia until he you know showed me photos of it. Yeah, and they just drove through all the flood water. It was way deeper than what I did. They they sort of went through closed roads and all sorts of stuff because you know it's a big jacked up F three fifty and a big you know big tires on the trailer and they just yeah definitely get went through things that I would not have, <laughs> I would have just floated away in Harry so <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, so... Uh, so we'll wrap up, I think, the Adelaide trip with talking about your issues on your return journey. Well, uh, well, actually, well, the, the issues on the rally, first of all, because I actually only did... I ended up doing just over half of the rally itself. I, I was having a great time, but on the second day... I started getting issues like, you know, the backfiring was continuing, but then the throttle started dropping out. And this is something I had before where the pedal sensor had died. So I thought, oh, maybe it's the same thing again. So basically when the throttle, it would drop out a little bit. You know, I first noticed it when you, you know, particularly after a stage, when I was on it, it was, it sort of seemed to be working. Then as soon as I started sort of driving away from the stage and the car's hot and just starting to pick up the throttle, that first little little five percent of the throttle, there was like like it was sort of nothing, and then it would sort of just sort of shudder and pick up, and I'm like, oh, okay, what's happening here? If I got some bad fuel or something like that, but uh, it got worse until um, later in stage, it, it actually dropped out. The throttle dropped out completely in the stage, and uh, when the e throttle has some abnormalities that the computer doesn't understand, it, it just goes okay, drops it back to idle, and um, uh, to, to you know save it and the only way to get your throttle back is key off key on and uh, you know so basically reset the the ecu gets and and gets the throttle back and it, sometimes it takes a couple of shots and so that happened uh a couple of times and i had to sort of pull out of the sort of just after the second half of the day and uh yeah, and, and, and sort of limped it, limped it home, pulled it all apart, checked all my wiring connections, checked everything, and uh, and then went back the second morning, did one stage, and it was great through the stage, and then it just died again on the way out of the stage. So I'm like, I can't go back to the next stage. Pulled pulled out again, went back home, and uh, yeah, tried all sorts of things, and I have, I still haven't completely diagnosed it, except I know I've narrowed it down that the pedal is fine. Um, it's definitely on the... Um, because there's a sensor obviously on the pedal, and then it, then the uh, uh, there's the, it's also a sensor on the engine itself. There's a throttle position sensor on the engine, which is actually on the end of some of the throttle bodies. Is uh, either that's playing up or the motor is playing up? One of the two. But I did notice, or my brother noticed when when he was looking at it, that the the linkage from the motor to to where it would normally connect up to like a throttle cable. Um, had come loose. It's sort of, uh, it's like an adjustable rod to, you know, t- tighten length, you know, uh, with opposite threads on either end. Uh, and uh, it's got locking nuts on it and the locking nuts had come loose. So the whole thing was coming out of adjustment. So that may have just been too far out of adjustment that the computer died. It only happened after the runs and I didn't finish the rally. I, you know, I pulled out then, but I still, yesterday morning, I actually left from Adelaide hoping, um, you know, when the car was cool, it seemed to be fine. And I, what I'm actually becoming to realise is, I, I, I realised on the trip, is I think it's when I hit full throttle, that's when it was having issues. So when I drove home, regular day-to-day driving, you rarely, you don't need to ever sort of hit full, use full throttle unless you sort of, you know, having a bit of a play and I just didn't hit full throttle the whole way home and had zero issues and I even drove the car here to have this podcast today with you and it's uh yeah it's running fine as long as I don't hit full throttle so it may actually end up being that the sensor or the um motor are fine the throttle motor are fine it's just out of adjustment 
it's the the settings have come uh, away that the throttle position sensor is not reading the same as what the throttle motor is doing, and it's going no, this is not right, and and it when it has an error, it sort of accumulates errors until it goes okay, you've hit one hundred percent errors. Uh, we're killing throttle, so I, that may be all it is, but I'll have to look into that later. <laughs> so always something. But but yes, talking about the trip home, I, I, I came the easy way home. I went, uh, instead of going through central New South Wales, I completely avoided New South Wales, just deliberately went further south into Victoria until I could sort of link back up to the main highway coming um, from Melbourne to New South Wales and then cross the border into New South Wales um, all on the highway, and the, the highway is fine. Um <clears throat> But in the middle of nowhere in Victoria, in, in it still sent me through a lot of little nothing roads in, in northern Victoria. And I was out in one of these uh, quiet little little roads and uh, coming over a rise. You know, there was potholes everywhere the whole way. Victorian side was much better than New South Wales. New South Wales roads are horrendous. New South, Victorians were much better. But uh, And most of the places where there were major potholes or something, they'd usually have a warning and there'd be signs saying, you know, roadwalk ahead, they'd run out of pothole signs or whatever, but, you know, they'd, they'd have some sign warning something happening and you're like, okay, slow down, there's probably potholes. And uh, this one, because um, it was actually, there was not signposted, I was doing, you know, cruise control sitting on, you know, just over 100 k's an hour and uh, it was just at, at a top of a crest and uh, the uh, uh, and, and the pothole spanned the width of the road and I, there was so no way to avoid it. I couldn't swerve. I just gritted my teeth and went through it and I heard this like you know massive bang and then a massive whistle and I'm like oh no I've blown a tire and I I have the spare tire I only have a can of spray stuff it's hard to get to it's not going to like I don't have a a, a full size spare it just would have been a headache and yeah pulled over had a look tires seem fine and the uh yeah, everything else was 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 okay. So, uh, you know, took off again. Whistling came back, and I realised the windscreen had partially popped out the rubber and partially uh, uh, popped open. But I managed to sort of you know put it back into place again, and it was it was okay. But that was that gave me a bit of a scare. But that was that was that was the only scare. The rest of the time, it was smooth sailing. Good. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was. Just it was a great trip. It was great going back to see the family. I did it with my brother. I did the, the the rally with my brother. It was really. It was just. It was. It was really good. But it was a full on week. Just trying to get everything ready for the rally. Get get over there. Get you know. Am I going to get through the floodwaters? It made it. It made it eventful. But uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 keen to go back. I, I'm I'm keen to do it again next year. And uh, might have yeah. to join you for that one. It's it's worth it's worth doing it. It's it's. It's just, as I said, okay, it's not crazy fast, but you can still go fast in the, I mean, I prefer to go fast in the in the twisty bits, twisty stuff anyway, than sort of flying along in the uh, uh, high speed, you know, stretches. And having closed roads, you know, being able to hug, you know, being as we drive on the left here, being a hug, a blind right-hand corner right on the inside, on the wrong side of the road, you know, and just go for it. it was just just great, and spectators everywhere cheering you on, and it just, you know, all the, you know, 
kids are out and everybody's having fun and it just it was just just a really really great atmosphere it was it was it was really well run i was i was surprised at how smoothly it ran we sort of you know 3 or 400 cars to get through each stage it wasn't like we were sort of pulling up to the stage and and sitting there and waiting and regrouping and working it out it was like no you you need to be sort of in your run when you when you pull up to the to the stage you need to be there and um yeah, and and as you basically roll up to the to the gate, they sort of released us out in our sections in four second intervals, and off it went. So uh, and and it was yeah, it was great. Oh nice. yeah, can't can't rate it high enough. It was it was it was good fun. So yeah, you have to you have to come next year in something. Yeah, and you'll have to join me on some more track days. I do. I do need to get some more track days. It's just, yeah. Someone's really trying to get a hold of you there. They, they really are. For, it's, uh, for, uh, there's a couple of people trying to get a hold of me. But, uh, people not aware, yeah. Jeff is a, a fiery for his uh, normal day job. Yes. So there's probably a cat stuck up a tree or something that they really need Jeff for. Well, no, because cause thankfully because I'm a full-time firefighter, they, they only really, you know, he, uh, when I'm at work, I'm at work. Yeah, but uh, uh, when I'm off, they might try and call me and get me coming on on overtime. But generally, there's plenty of people who want to put their hands up for overtime, um, and uh, and I'm generally busy doing videos and other silly things that I don't have time to to come in. So, yeah, it's 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 doubtful it's that, but uh, yeah, we'll. Uh, <laughs> it's probably a good uh, good good time to. Uh, yeah, well, I think we'll it. we'll call it there. Uh, this episode was obviously very focused on the Adelaide Rally. Um, yes. Next episode, we'll have a few more things for you. I think. Yeah, we'll get it. Keep it a bit more varied next time. But it was just, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot that's happened in this last week. I've been very busy, so good debrief. Yeah, it was it was good to sort of yeah debrief it and uh, oh yeah, I said I just I I had I really enjoyed myself. It was a really good a good event and uh, yeah. So uh, now I need to get back into the garage and get back to work. Yeah, yeah. finish a project for a change. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's was sort of finished, but not. Ne- they're it? never finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're never finished. But on that note, um, yeah, thanks for uh, listening, guys. Uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, if you've got any feedback, any questions, uh, let us know. Anything you want to hear us talk about or uh, quiz us about. Yeah. Do it and uh, yeah, and we'll uh, hopefully see you next week. All right, guys. Well, cool. um, have a good one. See ya.